Hello, oops, welcome. It's me, King Polly, and this is King Polly's World live from a townhouse in Vegas, Las Vegas, that is. I'm joined today on this momentous episode 17, which 17 used to be my unlucky number, but it has since been alchemized and shows me the beauty in the obstacle. So this is a lucky number. I'm joined today by someone that wasn't planning on being here today because <laughs> I had a cancellation. Go figure. But he's always waiting in the wings. <laughs> My trusty, trusty husband. Always delivering a, a meaty conversation. King Polly's husband. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. What came up for me was, uh, is it correct to say your trusty steed? Oh, sure. <laughs> is that like a, like a male horse or something like that? Like a steed? I think so. I don't know. Just like a saying that came up. Yeah, my trusty know. steed. <laughs> I don't know what that is. That's good, but then it makes me feel like maybe, like, you know, I just ride you. No, totally. I'm sure there could be all types of weird ways you could twist it. But, but. it was just a saying that came up. <laughs> uh, thank you all so much for joining us today i really do appreciate it i'm very grateful um i know i just recently had my four-year anniversary podcast but today on my instagram it popped up that it was exactly four years ago today that i posted my first post on instagram mm, what was it <laughs> um, it's me sitting on our bed and you can just see our cool ass room in the background right just like this kind of hippie-ish room and I'm sitting there with your underwear on my head giving a thumbs up um, and I put the word virgin on the top of it because it was my first post just came out the gates. The Virgin King was born. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wasn't expecting to have to explain the post. That's funny when I have to put it into words what it was. It was funny. And I and thinking back to like like we were kind of fresh in our relationship at somewhat, you know, it was kind of first couple of years and that was like you were really just starting to show that side of yourself. Like like your crazy comedic wild side had yet to kind of come out. You were still the herb bird to me mm. for the most part. Well, and because I had kind of buried that, you know, I'd buried it. Yeah, yeah, I see that. Didn't know if there was ever going to be a place for it or an outlet. There's not too many places that people can act like Mrs. Doubtfire or Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> <laughs> no, there aren't. So I had to create my own world. And you were either supportive enough, connected enough, or crazy enough to believe in me. Probably a mix of all those together. That on some level, you know, you, you weren't just like, what, King Polly? What are you talking about? You want to make funny videos and what? What just came up for me, me right now was just that element of, like, I kind of had that aspect of just openness, right? And that 
Like that was just in my makeup and just when you first walked into the house, the fact that I didn't have any living room furniture and like that my living room was just cardboard boxes that was made into forts. Like our whole living room was just, just my living room at that time when you first came over was just uh, a fortress of cardboard boxes that the kids had made from because we had gotten new appliances in the kitchen like a couple months before. So it was just these amazing huge boxes and uh and after my previous uh, relationship and roommate situation ended, I didn't have any living room, living room furniture, and I just rolled with it. And I just kind of liked just having this space to play with the kids. And Well, also, too, in each corner, each of the kids had a desk. Yes. And it was an arts and crafts, their arts and crafts areas. Well, it was more of like, a, yeah, yeah, it was like a, our living room slash like their area too because they shared a bedroom so it was their area to kind of have their own creative space yeah so it was like the living room was like a like a, almost like a classroom like it was like our like our play playroom playroom classroom was where they could sit and do homework they each had their own desk i loved it and it was so cute it was so funny to what just popped in my head was that then when I did move my couch in, it was the same couch of your ex that it had moved out. <laughs> that was funny. That was hilarious. That was just so surreal. And to can me. I just say though that that couch was um like a Walker furniture special, like you know, four, like that was a five hundred out the door yeah. type of situation. It's the first couch I'd ever bought, in. and I had gone half with my ex, so. <laughs> We came in. I came in with a lot of baggage. It was funny. It was so funny. Oh, and that couch was so ugh, not comfortable. It was like one of those brown, fake suede-ish, like, so it gets hot and Microfiber. sweaty under you. And and the cushion always slips down. And But I was grateful for it. Mm-hmm. And now our couch is so cool. I love it. It's a six ninety nine special. Yeah. Moving on up. And then plummeting back down. So <laughs> today I'm wearing my one of my King Polly shirts. If you are watching on YouTube, you can see my teddy bears. Dream on, make believe, and listen to your fucking heart. They're available. And I'm wearing my grandma's pearls. I decided the other day before bed that I'm going to incorporate these pearls into more more daily outfits. I've enjoyed them. Mm-hmm. Thank you. It does give you a certain level of character. Like there is this element of, and I've seen it kind of come back. Mm. People wear pearls. I've seen it on boys and guys. Mm. It's just been interesting. That's cool. Um, and we were talking before we started this about your hats and I was like, I, I thought you were going to wear that hat on the podcast. Really? Yeah. No, I'm going to, I just got a new hat I've been waiting for in the mail. It says protect your peace at all costs, right? Something by like any that. means? I don't know. By all means. By all means. Protect your peace by all means. Um, and then we're, so we were talking about hats and my husband does it where it's the flat build hat, right? 
where it's just like kind of squarish and big on your head and then it tilts to one side. So it's not like a baseball cap where it's like, you know, curved and worn in and fit your head. And I'm someone that's always been that, like it's supposed to be curved and worn. And you're, of course, the opposite because you're the opposite of me in so many ways. But that's one. So I would really like to get your guys' opinions. You know, it's interesting. When I was a kid, I started out, I bent the hat a lot, bent it so much that anytime I'd get a hat, I would take uh, toilet paper rolls and I would put the hat around the toilet paper roll and rubber band it and leave it there for like a week or two and then before I would wear it. So I used to have hats in a, with a big bend. What changed? When did it change? It just slowly through the years got less and less till it's like pretty much like I don't like it like like flat flat just the slight little bend. And I just I'm That's trying where I'm to at. I right and I have no right in trying to get you to wear it a different way. This is who you are. It's your style. But that is one of the things your style has been one of the things that I've made fun of. Yeah, made fun of. <laughs> Which is funny. <laughs> I know, because what I wear is so laughable. I think it's. I think it's. I think that's something that we share, because like I kind of love the stuff that you wear too, and that it's that it's like like it's so unattractive that it's attractive <laughs> at some level, <laughs> or it's like like you just don't care, and it's like that's what's attracting, and it's like fun, and. Uh, and like kind of what I was saying to you, it's like, uh, I don't know, I think sometimes, you know, if we were going to like a show or something, like I would want your advice on getting dressed, but, you know, sometimes I want my kid's advice, you know, and my little boy's advice and my little inner child and then, you know, my teenager and then a lot of times. Like your inner, these inner parts of you. And this is collectively like where I'm at. Like this is... I think that's so cool and important is, you know, like is allowing that inner child to pick out your clothes and, and like F it, like all peace, no Fs. This is what I want to wear. I remember like there was definitely, there's been a few times in my life where I had to like dress nice for my job, like Monday through Friday. And it was like such a, such a thing to like, you know, shoes nice, like, you know, we're talking like. I get my shoe, sh shoe shined, you know, like every other week or once a month, whenever, but I would go get shoe shines and, you know, belts and watches and, you know, just making, you know, just... ties. I wasn't too big on ties just cause, you know, in the desert, it's always hard and I couldn't really wear something around my neck that tight until recently. Like it was just, it was just too much. And, you know, I always did a lot of outside sales. I was always doing a lot of moving. I had a job for about a year where I had to dress nice too and it's when I worked at the fancy store in the forum shops and then in crystals here on the strip like the luxury mall and ha they gave me um seasonal allowance of clothes which was cool and um I remember like keeping all the tags and tallying it up like how much how many how much money because I had never had expensive clothes my whole life like my grandma took me to Macy's that was expensive like that was 
I looked forward to that all the time when I was little because I was like Macy's oh yeah but for the most part and now I just you know you know I buy used clothes but this element of I saw just how easy it is to kind of get sucked into that world um and to just feel like yes I'm wearing $500 shoes you know and even though they hurt me so bad like hurt so bad like how on earth anybody wore them I don't know Right, but I'm the crazy one that's like, um, these like are impossible to wear. And they were just ballet flats, but they dug in your heels like, ugh, ugh, ugh. So I was happy when I left there and went to a flower shop and I could wear anything I wanted and it didn't matter because it was so much like pressure every day to look good. It's been nice, like, like I, I loved when I transferred out of that to like, I think serving at like Grape Street and it was just a Grape Street t-shirt and blue jeans and it was like and then your apron like it was like oh and then you know it was a little you know like Cosmo I had a uniform but it was nice like they supplied it they washed it they cleaned it like that was really cool um when I was a hostess at the Italian restaurant in the Texas station shout out they gave me a uniform it was like a blaze. Wait, no, they didn't. I had to buy my own blazer, and my own slacks. I did like wearing a blazer though, but I didn't like how constricting. And again, like I was always like sweaty and hot. I'm like, how is nobody else sweaty and blazer hot? Blazer is like a pullover coat, like a dress coat, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, I remember when I did outside sales. We've talked about this before, but like I would measure and count up like a total amount that I was wearing. Like, and I would start off, like, if I wore my dad's gold necklace, like, that automatically was, like, all right, I'm starting off with, like, three Gs, you know? And then it was, like, the watch, and then the pants, and then the belt, and then the shirt, and the jacket. Yeah, that was new to me. I never knew that people did that. And then the shoes, and I remember, you made me remember, like, I remember buying these Kohlhaan shoes, and it was, like, right when Kohlhaan did a partnership with Nike, and so it was their first, like, dress shoe that had Nike air pockets and I remember like and I found out about it and I was like oh I gotta get a pair and then and I found out they were 380 bucks and I was like wow that's a lot of money she for a pair them? of shoes it took me I think I walked to the store and tried them on a couple times but eventually yeah, I did buy them and then did you wear them yeah into the ground pretty much yeah I don't even know what that thing is you said Colham Cole Han. I don't need to know, but I've never heard of it. <laughs> they have one at the uh, outlet mall. It's still a real thing. Yeah, it's like a it's like a diesel, like a guess. Cole Han. C O L E. Is diesel still around? Yeah, it's like a Dillard's brand, Macy's brand. Maybe more like on the men's side. I don't think they do. It's like a Perry Ellis. Yeah, but I remember like going to Dillard's and just like all that stuff, like the dress clothes, the slacks. Man, you just made me think Perry Ellis pants. I remember Perry Ellis. My high school boyfriend worked at JCPenney and then Macy's. And just always, just we'd be out high school, right? Me and my best friend, her boyfriend, and him, and we'd all be in high school clothes. And then he'd be in like a full, like I'm a 30-year-old banker outfit whenever we did anything. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking about it now is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's funny thinking about it now, like, 
all these brands like, you know, Nike right now and like Gucci and Louis Vuitton, like it's always been this way. You know, it's just, it always goes through cycles. And I've always been like, I remember being a kid and I've always was so fascinated and was like, like my dream was to build a brand to where like I could be like Louis Vuitton where I could take a $5 purse and I could sell it for $500. Like, I was like, that's when you know you made it. Right, but without... Right, to do it paying in a transparent below process. minimum wage. <laughs> that was before I knew all the, right. the, the ideas. Like, I don't know the elements of the realities of it all, but it was always just the idea that you would, and what I'm trying to say is that you would be able to upcharge people just because of the brand. Like, that's what they're really paying. You know, this is not, this is clearly a $10 item anywhere else you go but because totally and see i don't like that to me that's like insane to charge people so much just for the name no i understand that like now living on a mindful heart totally but that's funny that originally you thought that way right like man i can't wait to flip this for 300 yeah i was in my you know that's funny i was in my i was in my mind i was in my ego i was living from this space of image and and manipulation and feeling like like, if I did that, then I can like, I tricked people. Like, I conquered. Like, it would be like, like, wow, it'd be like, like, like the game of chess, and all of a sudden, like, I'm beating all these people in the game of chess. Wow. It was, I was really grateful to have that time, that time on the inside, luxury sales, <laughs> because I did learn a lot, and in terms of just, like, high-end brands and things, and, and also just from the workers culture of like you know the archetype of the people that worked at Gucci the archetype of the people that worked at Louis Vuitton the archetype of where I worked Lanvin like it was all very interesting to see all these little clicks within this one and the amount of judgment and like insane mind gamery and just ridiculous physicality and materialism it was like whoa but it does kind of suck you in like, it had me kind of thinking, huh, with my discount, I could get these pumps, which I was vegan at the time, and these shoes were made out of calf. And I was literally thinking about, huh, they're normally 1200 Jennifer Aniston wore them. Like, literally, like, for a second I was there, and it was like, I gotta go. <laughs> What you're, what you're making me think of right now and what's coming up for me is how we get sucked into these worlds, right? In the first world that I remember like being completely submerged in and then like just popped out of was high school. And then from there, it was all, all of these work cultures and industries. You know, like I went into like the cell phone industry and then the car industry and then the nightclub industry. And you, you go into all these different industries and you know the fashion industry whatever but there's like like all of a sudden there's these people that are worshiped and idolized in every industry and then there's an element of how we do things or how the best is doing things at the time and then what was you know past what's present what's future just interesting and how funny too because like restaurant who's who's you know at the top of the hill in the car industry and who's the top of the hill in the nightclub industry? This element of they don't even know the other one exists. Mm-hmm. 
right? Like in the macro scale of things, it's like, wow, this isn't even <laughs> real. Even matter. But then you, you do have certain people that transcend these little, you know, bubbles. But um, again, that element of playing God and thinking you're better than or an expert, really. And then the other element of how, like, all of the different little worlds, it all has its same, like, pattern of dysfunction and life. And, and, and what's coming up for me is, like, when be us both being in the restaurants and then kind of coming from somewhat of, you know, just this culture in America and just families of dysfunction and just how, you know, being in recovery and just seeing elements of, the restaurant I was like wow this is just a, a big dysfunctional family like we are such a dysfunctional family and and one of the reasons why I feel like I have felt so uncomfortable and comfortable in those environments you know totally I used to say that towards the end of when I worked at downtown in the downtown diner I used to tell new people like uh, you know they'd be like how have you stayed here so long and I would say because I I'm from a dysfunctional family like this feels natural to me, <laughs> and and really... to pretend like what is the dysfunction? It's like we're pretending, Ugh. like everybody's kind of faking it. It's just messy and weird and unspoken and gossip and narcissism and and worshiping. Um, yes, and controlling. And then you pile on the customer service aspect of serving, and what you're really doing is serving. You know, we've both been servers, food servers, waitresses, waiters. I've been a cocktail waitress, right? Like, and this element of like, I didn't realize how much of it really is about being humble. Because I always somewhat had a chip on my shoulder. And I didn't realize that really until I was with you. And your outlook on how you served and showed up was very different than mine, <laughs> which was kind of soaked in entitlement of, I, I literally just brought you this ranch. You need to tip me at least, you know what I mean? Or how dare they not tip me? Or these people, how dare they be like this? Like, oh, you're making my shift hard, you know, all these things, which I wouldn't really vocalize to the people and show them but it was energetically there and you can always feel what's energetically there I didn't know that at the time I thought I could hide it which we all know we've all had people wait on us where we know they hate us <laughs> like you feel it mm. and it's and now I look at it as wow like I really had no business even doing that if I wasn't willing to serve but again it's all give and take. Like you're also working for minimum wage and, you know, it's like the system itself is kind of set up to make everybody tight and, and not want to be there. So you're, you're taking me back to that time at being at Grape Street where I went back to Grape Street after my dad's suicide uh, prior to that, I was selling cars and I, and I couldn't handle it. And so I just needed to come back to something to where, you know, again, now looking back in hindsight and retrospect, you know, I just needed to be able to serve. And two, I needed to just be mentally busy. And Grape Street at the time was restaurant, really popular. An Italian restaurant. An Italian restaurant, an Italian cafe restaurant. And uh, 
and we, we were super busy. It was a hot spot. Like we would have sometimes an hour wait and people would wait for it. And um, so it would be super busy. And so what would happen is if I picked up a shift or if I worked a shift there, there would always be a two to four hour window where I had no space in my mind to think about anything mm -hmm. other than my section and what needed to be refilled, what needed to be delivered, what needed to be ordered. Like there was just no room in my mind to think about a death or to think about a financial fear. I had nothing to think about other than to serve. And the other element was like I was so like energetically raw and just very vulnerable and, and moving really slow. Um, I really wasn't trying to run from anything at that point in my life. Like I was really trying to face as much as I could. And, and so much had gotten just distraughted and displayed that there was just this element of, I was just so in tune to the energies and just this element of like just watching, instead of looking at one incident or one table, I'd look at the whole evening, you know, and if, did I get caught into this one table or when I, when I let go of this one table, this one table was an ass and they didn't tip me, but I didn't buy into it. And the next table they got sat there, they literally were the easiest table in the world and they double tipped me. And so at the end of the night, like I made out evenly, like I got paid, like I never lost. Like when I looked at it as a whole, like I always won. And I did too. And at the end of every night I would do that looking through all my stuff and thinking and sitting in it and then being mad at myself for getting worked up mm. and feeling guilty for letting it trigger me and get to me and ruin part of my night. You know, then it was like, oh man, I still made 300 bucks, which was on a, you know, Saturday night in Boca Park when I worked at Gordon Bears. I worked there for like three and a half years and, um, during the dark ages and, it was, I closed Friday and Saturday night, which means I was the last server there and I got all the tables and I didn't like it. I couldn't stand closing. I didn't like it at all, but what else am I going to do? Okay. Okay. This is my job. <laughs> I got nothing else going on. So on a good night, right? Like to me, I, if I left with 250 to 350, I'm golden. But then a lot of times I would go out and spend just boom a hundred bucks well you were making a hundred more than me mine mine was 150 to 250 at grape street wow yeah man happy hour yeah and you're a female mm. 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 Well, eight hours on a saturday and those were my high nights the eight hour <laughs> You know, it's interesting, I, I, I kind of just zoned out of just this aspect of how, like for a male server, my observation is like, like if I'm waiting on like men versus women, like in what, how I get tipped and whatnot versus like a, a female, but then like it's double hard for a female server with a table of females. Like, ooh, that's just like this energy. It's just like, ugh. It really depends. It, it really does depends. depend, but it can be just yeah. like, ugh. Well, too, especially if there's some element of jealousy, more so yes. for me when it's a man and a woman. And the woman. Mm. Like, mm. that was the most kind of like... Ooh, then you're screwed. Then you can't win. Right. And you can't get tipped. Wow, I never even thought about that one. But 
Yeah, I think it's I see. I from, also didn't pick up on quite as much back then because my brain was pretty much annihilated with alcohol. But if I were to do it now, it would be a completely different experience. I would actually, I wouldn't, like, I say this all the time, but I wish so bad I could just go back in time for just 24 hour, hour increments in my life. And do things? Yes, with the awareness I have now and the freedom and just knowing, hey, it works out. Like, you're okay, you're safe. You you're make safe. it through this. You're safe. You're safe. Mm -hmm. And it's just like to get to that point now in the present where anything I come up against, I can be like, oh, I'm safe. don't forget, you're safe. Like, mm. remember, like, you've been led through all these things. When are you going to finally trust? Mm. And it's really just like that's what we're waiting on. That's the clock. It's us, you know, on some level. It feels like, but it doesn't make it less difficult. It gives us something to shoot for. Something to reach for. Reach for the stars. Reach for the stars. <laughs> Superstar. Um, you pick some top fives. You want to do top fives? We were free flow. We thought it'd be fun to do a free flow episode. And so far, I'm having a great time. Mm. Top five places you visited. Ooh. So the first one that came up for me was Sedona. Sedona is always a good time. We went there for our anniversary. That's a beautiful place. Um, just really cool space with nature. We went there for our honeymoon. Honeymoon. What did I say? Anniversary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We went there twice. Did we go there for an anniversary too? Did we go there the twice? The last time we went? We went there the, twice? Yeah, the first time we went was for our honeymoon, and we stayed at the cabin. The forest houses, yeah. And then the last time we went, it was just a summer vacation, I think, and we stayed at the place that had the tent and the horses. That wasn't in Sedona. Yes, it was. It was? Wow. I thought it was in California. Or Utah. Oh. Okay. Yeah, that was Sedona. That was our last family trip. How funny that it was like our family honeymoon and then our last, mm -hmm. the last trip we've been on all together. Sedona has a way, and I say this because I've gone there other times and it's never ended well. Never. It has a way of literally like Rebuilding. unpeeling yeah. and squeezing and there's a vortex and showing you like it's not all like do 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 harm you know it's like it's like a furnace it it like it like releases the demons yeah I don't know Pur purifies yeah. purifies the beast the monster within yeah the dragon yeah I had I I still remember I had two incredible experiences on the golf course there. Like, just two incredible shots that were, I'll never forget. How cool that now, if we go somewhere, like, I'll want to golf with you. Mm-hmm. Or at least come, yeah. You guys, I've been golfing every Sunday at Love for Golf, my husband's golf club here in Vegas. And we went golfing the other day. We've been going, like, every week. It's so fun. Like, I'm really enjoying it. And, and I, I think and, the and, reason you're able to enjoy it is because I'm able to 
approach it with you and and we have some luxuries of having access to the golf course and going later in the evening and we do play kind of like a best ball format and we kind of go out when it's not busy or crowded and, and we play like three to seven holes like it's really low key and you know this element that you know it's tough to get into golf i don't know to play, how anybody and i said this play nine plays holes, nine holes 18. and old people like wow good for you man i didn't realize how much it was like the spine like my back started to be like okay you're done for the day i was like whoa this is weird and just being again like physically activated in a way that i have to stretch again like i have to just to keep from i don't want injury and and that's the thing with golf too and like even the golf swing like this element of of like like getting energy and getting like momentum and force without forcing it because like when i'm out there trying and forcing the swing like it never is as quick or as clean or as pure and it always is painful and then there's times where it's like effortlessly it's when i have confidence and i have trust it's like this effortless swing that's got infinite power and it that's what makes golf so think draws people in maybe one day i'll get to that infinite swing but right now i'm at a yeah just junior golf level even my clubs are junior golf junior clubs because <laughs> i'm so small yeah they're light good for you what's another plate top place you visited uh, another one that comes up for me was uh ventura our trip to ventura was beautiful the ocean uh the coffee shops the restaurants the food the um, there was like this really cool spot where we were able to like ride, drive by ourselves, just me, you, uh, the two kids and like a little electric boat. And we like kind of toured the marina and like kind of went in through the back of like neighborhoods and houses. And then a few restaurants like right by the, right by the ocean. So that's the first time Cabela tried some mush shrimp. Just shrimp, I think in it. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. There's some seafood thing. And then we we, got to, we went to that mission. There was that mission that we went to that was really cool. And the kids got to light candles in that church. That was so beautiful. That was. And then the bikes. They had the bikes that you could ride. And then they had, like, the bikes where we could either pick, like, individual ones. And they were, like, stand up, sit down. And then there was the one spot. I don't spot remember any bikes. Where we... uh could pick a collective bike like a four-person one or a two-person did we one. ride bikes or are you just talking about bikes we did we did it we did mm-hmm. we rode bikes i think we did either a four-person one or a two-person one i think it was four-person was like a four-person one and we were all talking about how to like watch abby to make sure that she's <laughs> pedaling <laughs> not making us pedal for her i love just like who you guys think i am the other night it was so funny we bought a pie a really gross pie but that's another story and uh i joked brayden our son said something about it and i was like we got it so that we can put it in your face and he said i know that's not true there's no way that you would sacrifice a pie (laughs) i thought wow he really knows me he really knows me. <laughs> and even on that gross pie, I still ate all the crust. Yeah, the, the crust and the, the whipping. 
cream was pretty good. The other uh, place that comes up for me is Big Bear. We had a lot of good fun trips to Big Bear. That's not too far from Vegas. And I've never been there in the winter. It's kind of known for being kind of a ski spot, like a spring ski spot for California people and Nevada people. But I go there in the summer, and it's got the lake, and uh, they got a whole bunch of cool little cabins. They even have, like, little mini cabins, a couple little mini cabin communities. And they've got great camping and hiking, and they've got restaurants, and they've got a little golf course, and the lake. You can do some cliff jumping and swimming, fishing. And they got, like, arcades. Did you like when we went to Chicago? No. <laughs> I mean, I did, but, I mean, I wouldn't do that as, like, a trip. That's not, like, a trip for me. It's, like, a place I would... It was beautiful. I had a great time when we went, and I feel like we experienced the best yeah, of it. Yeah, we had a great time together. And we had, uh, we did the boat tour guide, which was amazing. There's an architect tour boat on tour, a boat. On a boat where you go through, like, the little river where they turn green, the one area where they turn green, right? It's the Chicago was, River. And then they kind of, this guy gave us this, like, architectural tour, and he grew up there. And uh, it was one of these moments in time where I told Abby, and Abby agreed, that uh, King Polly, that uh, if Jesus were a boat tour guide, that's what Jesus would be like. And just this guy was just fully just giving it his whole heart, and it was just his passion. Like when you encounter someone who is truly like one with their work, and their heart is just, just fully in it. Like it's no holding. They back. found what they love, and they get to share it. And they're just so happy to show up. Like mm-hmm. they're just the people that show up early. Like they're just happy. I I kayaked down that river once with a group on, and it was it was a lot of fun. It was a good time. I was always trying to on some level. I always thought I was stronger than I was. And I've always tried really hard to be really strong. Like, I've always... And now I'm at the point where I just sort of accept my strength. (laughs) Isn't all that physical. Right. You have a lot more emotional and spiritual and mental strength. Mm -hmm. Um, The other two spots that come up for me, just to close it out, would be Zion and uh, Pine Valley, Utah. Two nice little spots in Utah. Zion's really cool for camping and hiking. Zion's so beautiful. And they got the shops. I've only been there once. It's kind of like Sedona. I feel like it's kind of like Sedona. Mm-hmm. It's like a mini Sedona. Except it's, to me, much more foresty. Even though Sedona has that. But Sedona, I think of a lot more like Red Rock. And Zion, I think mm-hmm. of. At least where I was in Zion, it was I was in forest. Yeah, but I was actually very stunned at how much forest was, was in Sedona, Sedona. <laughs> in, in Arizona on the way there. Yeah, it's pretty cool just how crazy you go from just one to the other. Even in Vegas, right? You go from Red Rock to Mount Charleston. You know, until we went to Sedona, I had no idea Arizona had trees. I thought it was more of like a desert landscape. And then I found out that Arizona actually has more trees than any other state in the country. Arizona? That's what Ray said to me, my wow. friend. Wow. That's crazy. Which I assumed was somewhat of a reliable source, but I don't know. But you, you guys let Google us it, know. Fact checked it. Let us know. Well, I don't know about Google. 
You know how Google is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. One more top five. What else you got there, baby? This other one you're going to have to help me with. Um, this is this is a deeper one. Mm-hmm. Um, top five things you've had to unlearn. So I think... I could write a book on this. Yeah. So the first thing that came up for me, top five things you've had to unlearn. The first one that came up is that there's no one answer. There's no one answer. There's no one answer. So that's the first one. And um, so that kind of means to me like this element of like I've kind of always been in fear of giving the wrong answer and being wrong. So kind of just unlearning that aspect of being wrong. Good or bad, <laughs> right or wrong, right? I've had to unlearn that. Duality. Duality. Um, the value of forgiveness versus feeling like being right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to prove, like the energy in time that I've used trying to prove something versus just accepting what is um, what do you have do you have one I thought you never ask um, <laughs> I've had to unlearn everything everything I learned early on in in my diary when I was like eight I wrote my mom said, don't get mad, get even. So that's exactly what I'm going to do. So I've had to unlearn that. <laughs> and just the fact that that was the motherly advice I received is insane and goes to show kind of just the level of of what I've had to extract from my mind. Um, I've also had to unlearn this idea that I know. I always thought I knew, even now, sometimes, you know, I'll think I know. And this level of I, I truly only know me. Like, that's the extent. Me thinking I know what's best for somebody else is, is actual insanity. It's not real. I would have to literally be that person to even have a right to an opinion. So that's something I always thought I knew what was best for other people. And I don't. I've also had to unlearn that my worth is dependent on my parents. And that how I looked determined my worth. And that's been a big unraveling of just the patriarchal beauty standards that exist. And I remember growing up thinking, why does this guy not have to put on any makeup or do his hair or anything and he's ready for the day? Like, why do I have to do all this other stuff? It didn't make sense to me. And then eventually, right, I didn't feel beautiful unless I did all that stuff. And to finally be at a place where I feel more beautiful not doing all that stuff, it's, it's pretty full circle. And I'm really grateful for it. 
And uh, I think, too, one of the biggest things I've had to unlearn is that I am responsible for another person's feelings. Mm. Because I'm not. And for so long, I was, and I lived that way. And I expected others to take responsibility for my feelings, too. You know, you made me mad, so you need to make this better. You made me sad. You did this. And it's like, all right, I got to come back to me. And what, what? how do I feel? Less on the other, more on my internal experience. You just activated one, which would be unlearning, like, what strength is. Mm. Like what I thought strength was. How it's portrayed in the culture. It's so funny. It's like it's just being this like physically demanding, manipulating energy. Fast. To being, to being like like this like what strength is like almost to just withstand and to like fast and just to not have to express or voice like that and just to be every thought and opinion to and to and to not have to move on every impulse and react to every trigger yeah. and to cry fully when the tears come christ consciousness mm-hmm. it's called by many names but it is the same one experience mm. Mm, thanks baby mm. i appreciate you so much for all the depth you bring to the couch, to my life, to our life. Ooh, talk about unlearning, unlearning what we thought relationships were, what marriage was. Oh my gosh, cheese Louise. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. It took seven years. And, and two, like that aspect of when you recognize like to know something or to think you know something, especially about someone else, like when you're giving your opinion about someone else's life, like, like that you're like literally only viewing like such a limited perspective. Like you have no idea what led up to that. You have no idea what's going to happen. Like, and to really know, you would actually also have to be able to look like a thousand years or a million years ahead the past to know how and the future. It, to know how it affects to to then form. A full opinion so when you like look at that you're like completely humbled and you go oh crap I don't know shit and then it's like wow like you come and back it's freeing, to like, like oh I don't know shit I don't have to it's impossible this wasn't set too. up for me to do that yet the whole the culture is telling me that that's what I have to do to find happiness is figure this out yet internally spirit is telling me I need to unfigure all of this out <laughs> just experience Mm-mm. it's not about figuring it out it's about having an experience beautiful baby thank you wow well we made it through the top fives we made it through a really nice free flow in 17 i must say and uh i think it's time for our closing statements that's what i do now i don't put any sound in i missed this I, i liked it when I watched it, it didn't it didn't do it for me. I would. Too bad, so sad. I'll grieve that one tonight. <laughs> if if I ever have a producer that can put the sound in, it'll be there. But right now, it's just one too many things.
It doesn't always fit in either. Oftentimes the gap isn't wide enough. What's your closing statement? Hmm. Let me get still for a moment. Let me take a nice deep breath in and out. My closing statement for this week is spring has sprung. And that means that the sun has returned. The warmth is here and we can take all the lessons this winter has given us with us and alchemize them into a fuller experience. And I'm really grateful to be here to continue on even though I don't know why or how or what and to continue to just be me and share and hopefully give people an hour a week to just sort of connect. That's my closing statement. Uh, I'm feeling inspired to just share to sit quietly and love yourself and if you have the opportunity to sit quietly on the floor in a safe space and just breathe deeply and like I remember I used to hear so often like what does that even mean like breathe deeply and uh, and for me I've been really just experiencing like breathing deeply and, and how I've been able to kind of like stretch my breath like I think how people stretch their body is by like laying on the floor and I'll try to do it either anywhere between three to ten times rarely will I ever make it to ten but I just try to breathe in as much air as I can and pause it and hold it as long as I can and exhale as much as I can and hold that as much as I can and then I just try to do at least three rounds of that and like just start to just slow down and just breathe deeply and uh, just kind of like try to slow down and pause like there's just something really healing that can happen I think if you allow it but definitely do it in a safe spot not while you're driving or in water yeah no deep breaths underwater okay guys you heard it here first I'd like to thank you all <laughs> Oh, babe, that was beautiful. I really, I admire your dedication to breathing. I don't even know if it's a dedication other than it's just a pure just experiment. Need necessity? And a need. And it's just, it's like just trying to find something that naturally helps and heals and relieves. And see, other I think than we all internally are guided to certain things. And those things are for us. And you'll know if you're called to breathe, you'll breathe. You know, this element of, oh, I should be breathing more, or I should be, or I should be. I said to my friend the other day, I was like, I forgot. I don't want to should all over myself. That, you know, just like, no more shoulds. Just what are you called to? But it does seem like breath and becoming aware of breath is like a diving board. And just even in just you saying that, like, it's just how like incredibly important like all of life literally springs from it so to actually just when you can recognize like how much of life force comes from breath and how powerful breath is and like it really can affect I think and heal and transform a lot of our lives and instead of a lot instead of I was saying it to someone the other day and it's like 
like just doing breath work and, and working on your breath and just being mindful of it, it just helps you allow to where instead of life controlling your breath and taking over your breath, it's now you get to kind of like, I don't know, you get to dance with it a little bit more and experience it a little bit more. And you can, if you stretch into it, like I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm releasing something and releasing things that if, if I don't do this or do this, that 10, 20, 30 years down the road, it, it becomes, this is how disease is formed in the body. It's because these things that I would hold on to instead of release. And, you know, I feel like breath is one way to release things. 100. And it's the cheapest. And you always have it. And no one can take it away from you. It's, no matter where I you're mean, at. it's in, been instrumental in my healing and awakening to it. And even reading about it, there's books. Didn't you read The Science of Breath or something? There's a book called uh, uh, Breath. I think it's just called Breath. And then I read, I can't remember what it's called now, huh? But I had to read it for my yoga teacher really training. Good. And what? That book is really good. And. <laughs> And, and it, I had, I didn't even know about our olfactory system, which is what, right, this whole breathing system is called. And I didn't rec, like, really realize, like, oh, it's literally straight to your brain. Like, the oxygen, the prana, the life force, spirit, it's literally moved right into your sort of mechanism for functioning. And it really made me aware of what I was inhaling. You know, what's other, the other thing that's coming up for me right now is breath is the only tool that you can acquire that if even someone imprisoned you into a dark room, it, they cannot take that away from you. And, and for what, some reason, like it just, it just felt like just such a powerful tool to have because it, I've been in spaces to where, like ultimately, that's where... I feel like we all struggle. It's like we get overwhelmed with this tightness, this stress, this anxiety, these feelings, whatever it is. And we we need some element of a release, whether, you know, whether you're shooting heroin, you're eating a box of chocolates, you're watching ESPN for two hours, or you're smoking a joint, having a glass of wine, or you're breathing. Like, and like when it started kind of being broke down to me like that, I was like, wow, this is like the coolest thing in the world. That's like getting a brass tax. That's like unveiling everything and just sitting with what God gave us while we're here. And kind of seeing that that is true and that the, the truth of that, that we have been given all that we need. And I feel like when you tap into the breath, you really start to experience the truth of that. And see, and like, I'm not there yet with, you know, certain people are like, oh, you can hallucinate with your breath. Like you can straight up trip and go to these places. And I guess I just sort of feel like one day, maybe one day, but it just doesn't feel like where I'm at right now. I, you have to earn it, you know, like, um, I mean, I feel like I dance with some of that stuff and it's like, like. Like, you have to work and you have to earn it. Like, it's not just, there is no, like, freebie. Like, if you want to, like, take it to that level, like, you're going to have to, like, do some somewhat 
I don't want to say painful, but, but it can be painful at times, like breaths and do it for periods of time. Yeah, but, see, I don't want But pain. you don't have to do that. And that's the other element, too. Like, that's, again, that's the extreme realm of it. And what's been so fascinating to me is to find out, like, okay, that's the extreme realm of it. But to also here, take it to this side where it's just super gentle, gentle and soft, but it's controlled and mindful and the effects that that can have. And I try to swim like on the half point and over of the... Sometimes I've seen you turn blue. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've definitely, like I said, I've, it's been, it's definitely, I've experimented with my, with it. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for sharing, man. Yeah, you're welcome, dude. <laughs> welcome, hey, bro. Thanks for being here, man. You're welcome, bro. Well, this has been another week in King Polly's world. I'm so grateful for you. Hey, how about you give it a thumbs up or a comment or something? Anything. Just so I know you're here. Just so I know somebody's here. Because I don't really know that. All right. Well, we'll see you next week for episode <laughs> 18, where I just might have a different human than my husband. Mm. If... All goes according to plan, which it never does. But I'll still show up. <laughs> Thank you all for being here. We love you. Peace.